Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. That's in your Old Testament. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm reading from a different section, so don't get confused, but that psalm we heard just got me thinking on it. John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. All right. And that's for free this morning, but we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20. And uh, and many many of you know, I think about everybody here knows, I grew up in Texas City. And uh, when when I, (laughs) it was good, it was a good place back then. But uh, yeah, everybody said it stunk. I don't know what they were talking about. That's just money. But uh. He got me thinking on a whole different track. Sitting out in my backyard, this ain't even part of the sermon, but thinking on a different track, I remember sitting in my backyard, you know, watching the flares. Now I work out the plants, and I know that you need to go the other way. But uh, you should probably be going inside. But no, they're just burning off the chemicals. But you, you, you had all kinds of bright colors in the summer. I remember I thought the orange sky was natural. You know, those different <laughs> shades of orange in the morning, looking back on, the, on Texas City from the dike. But uh, I worked out on the dike. My grandfather, he lived out on the dike in his retirement years or in his later years. You know, he just, he was a shrimper. Uh, my great-grandfather... I call it a bell helmet diver. He wasn't a deep sea diver, but he he wore that big brass helmet and the suit, you know, and he would dive. And uh, my grandfather told me about uh, over in Galveston, they'd lost a crane in the mud, and my my grandfather would work the pump for him while he was down there. And he would go down and he would tie the chain up around that crane and water where you couldn't see and the mud that was swallowing, you know, just stirred up around you. And uh, he was tough. And... uh but uh, my grandfather, he, he lived out on the dike, and he, he worked out there most of his life. He had a shrimp boat. His shrimp boat was named Faith. And uh, I remember when I was 13, uh, he knew Dorothy Rylett, and she owned a bait camp out there, Rylett's Bait Camp. And that's where he parked his trailer, was right by that boat ramp. That boat ramp was a source of much entertainment when I'd go and visit my grandfather. And you'd see all kinds of methods for launching the boat, jumping on the, jumping on the trailer to get the boat off or, or backing it up until the water was in the bed of your truck or something. But uh, I, I learned a lot of things from my grandfather and a lot of things I can't repeat, especially not here. But I remember working on some things. He was showing me something, showing me how to tie something off or uh, showing me how to call the bait tanks, you know, and uh, I remember him telling me, he said, now Keith, main thing is not to get excited. When I'd start to mess up or I'd start to get frustrated, he'd say, now the main thing is not to get excited. Those words have stuck with me my whole life. I remember being in the Navy and we were, I was uh, 
pulling up a vinyl floor, you know, and it's all glued and I'm sitting there with the hammer and a, a pry bar and trying to get that floor up so we can put a new one down. And it was pretty frustrating because pieces would come up. I'd start to get frustrated and I'd just kind of hear that in the back of my head. Now, Keith, main thing is not to get excited. And you just kind of slow down and you start looking for the spot where it would come up. And that, that would just apply in all kinds of ways in my life. I would start to get mad about something, and I would start to get upset. And I'd hear, now, Keith, the main thing is not to get excited. I taught my kids when they'd get frustrated. What's the main thing? And don't get excited. And uh, I got to thinking about it for this sermon here, because here in Numbers chapter 20, we see Moses getting excited. And there's some things that happen in your Christian walk. You can... Now, it's good to get excited about your relationship with God. It's good to get excited about your salvation. But the kind of excited that we're talking about here is the kind that I, uh, my grandfather was talking about when you get, start to get frustrated or get mad. Think of the mechanic that's working on something with a wrench and hits his hand and he throws his wrench across the garage. He just got excited. And that's what we see here in Numbers chapter 20. In Numbers chapter 20, it says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zen in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. In verse number 2, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die here? And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron and thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Now remember what you read here. He said, Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. They're doing all right so far. So far, he's doing what God said. Gather the people together, right? And stand before the rock. And then Moses does something here. He kind of goes off the track that God said. You ever, you ever tried to tell somebody something and it looks like they're going along that path, but then all of a sudden they just kind of veer off to the side? That's never happened to you, right? Somebody has told you something, you went off and you did something later, and you said, well, that, you know what? They did try to warn me against that. And uh, so verse 10, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Now, I don't know if I got my shouter enough to say how Moses was saying it. But he's pretty upset with them. And I'll explain that in a minute. 
And he says, here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smoked the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Now, he succeeded. The water came out of the rock, and the congregation got to drink the water that God provided for them. But in verse number 22, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And this is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified. This was a point. This was a turning point for Moses. Moses had been called in... Uh, Moses had been called before out of Egypt, or he'd, he'd been on the backside of the desert. He had talked to God. God had assured him he would be with him. And God used him and used that rod in his hand, and they brought plagues upon Pharaoh until Pharaoh finally, in the end, finally let them go with a strong hand. Not only sent them out, but the Egyptians, spoiled, they were spoiled, the Egyptians. The Egyptians were like, here, go, take the gold, take Whatever you just get out of here, get away from us. And as they headed out, you know, Moses was with them when they faced the the Red Sea and when they couldn't cross. Moses was the one that raised his rod and God parted the Red Sea and they went across. And there's trial after trial that the Israelites have gone through. But they always default back to, would God that we were in Egypt where the flesh pots were full? Would God we were in Egypt where we weren't hungry, or would God we were in Egypt and not sent out here to die? And because Moses had done something, he was headed toward the promised land. He was showing them the way to the promised land. He was guiding them through the wilderness. But you get to this point and something changes and God says, Moses, you're not going up into the promised land. Now there's a lot of impact there. But I want to tell you, number one, that people got excited. And I hear my grandfather in the back of my head, the main thing is not to get excited. And there's times in your Christian walk and there's times in your Christian life where there's a peace in walking with God. And there's a trust that takes place. And so there's, there's times when you'll get frustrated, and there's times when you may get angry. There's times when you may get discouraged, and we see the Israelites discouraged. We see Moses getting angry. But they got excited. And there's times if you'll just stop, and you'll just trust God, you won't miss out on those opportunities. And I'd just like to show you some of the things that they miss out on by getting excited. Number one, when you get excited, you stop praising God. They had been delivered through time after time. They had been delivered at the waters of Marah when they had first gotten across from the Red Sea and they were, they were facing for the first time, they were facing being thirsty and they got to the waters of Marah and the waters were bitter. And God told Moses to throw the throw the tree into the water, and then it sweetened the waters. But before that, they were already ready to go back to Egypt. 
And they were constantly getting excited. They were constantly looking back toward Egypt. And they forget what God had done for them. In your life, God has delivered you through many things. When you start to get excited about your current circumstances, when you start to get upset, you tend to forget what God has done for you. And people tend to get upset about what's going on in their life. Lord, why is this going on? Why are you doing this, Lord? So they got upset, and there was no water, verse number 2, for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into his wilderness, that we and our cattle should die here? And you have made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place. It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. So they tended to stop praising God. This will be a short sermon, I think. One of the other things that happens when you get excited is is you stop listening. Moses was standing before God. He, He did right. He got on his knees before God and he prayed. And he said, Lord, why... He says in uh, verse number six, and Moses and Aaron went up from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. There was something taking place here. There was a reason that Moses quit listening. Because he had seen this movie before, he thought. He had come to this place and he said, I've seen how you did it before, God. I'm pretty sure this is how you're going to do it again. Or he just quit listening to what God was saying. God said, I want you to speak to the rock. And that's that's an important point. But Moses got excited. Moses, I got a feeling that when when they got on him for the umpteenth time, about being hungry, about wanting to go back to Egypt. I got a feeling that Moses was so mad. He was so upset. And he's there before God and God shows up and God tells him to speak to the rock. And Moses said, oh, I've seen this movie before. Because another time they had, they had the same, they were thirsty, they were hungry. And they had come to a rock and God told Moses to strike the rock. And there's, a, there's an important difference in these two things. Otherwise, you read this and say, well, well God, he, he did what you told him. Why are you keeping him out of the promised land? Moses did what you told him to. And a lot of times we think that, God, I, I did what you told me to. <laughs> you think of Saul back in uh, 1 Samuel 15. He said, I, I have done all that the Lord commanded. And Samuel said, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen in mine ear? He wasn't listening to God. But in this case, Moses, in his anger, he said, I know how this is going to happen. And there's times when, when God wants to work in your life and you're following me. You say, oh, I know, I know how God solved this before. He said, take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, 
so shalt thou give the congregation and their beast drink. So he gathered them together. And then verse number 11, verse number 10, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, and God didn't say to do any of this, but by then Moses is like, this is how it was solved before. He said, here now, you rebels. And let me just put that, here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And there was something else in that. See, Moses let himself get excited. Moses got upset. He not only missed what God was saying to him, but he missed who was doing it. He said, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And he defaults in his mind and goes back to the time where he was standing before the rock and God told him to strike the rock with his rod. Now, why is that important? We'll get to that. But because of this, because of that one little thing, and you see, he, he struck the rock twice. <laughs> First time he was only to strike it once, now he's striking it twice. Well, that would make sense, right? And out comes the water. And the water came out. Everything happened according as God said, except Moses didn't do his part. And then God says, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. So you let yourself get excited in your walk. And one of the first things you're going to miss is praising God because you're going to be too busy thinking about what God hadn't done. Or you're going to be too busy thinking about your current circumstances. Another thing that you'll miss is you'll stop listening because you're too busy thinking your own thoughts. You're too busy getting upset. The mechanic, this, and I know this is a, this is a very simple message. This is a very simple message, but the mechanic who gets upset and bangs his knuckles, he's not thinking about how much that tool cost him. He's not thinking about the window that it just hit. He's not thinking about anything. All he's thinking about is how upset he is. But if you can, if you can keep the main thing not to get excited, if you can just keep it in your heart to trust God for things, if you can stop yourself, if you can walk away from that child that you're angry at, or if you, can, if you can walk away from that situation that you're about to get into and you can just say, hang on here, let me just stop myself and think about this. Lord, what is it you want in this situation? And be willing to listen. It may be anger, it may be jealousy, it may be sin, it may be anything that's going on in your life. You, you know you're about to mess up. There's some things that trigger an event in your life. People are caught up with besetting sins. There are things that trigger that. And you just, main thing is not to get excited. Just step aside and say, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? Moses got excited. So not only that, we've already talked about it. You stop praising God, you stop listening, and you miss out on the victory. Anger and words that are said, and believe me, I know. Moses and Aaron, when they did this, they had no idea what God's plan was. And we have no idea what God's final plan is for our life. God may be engineering circumstances in your life to take you to a point. I know when we've gone out witnessing, you, uh, you walk up to a person that's been thinking about God. Uh, Brother, Brother Chris 
Cormican. He, he told me about going out witnessing. They'd been out all day. Nobody had answered the door. And uh, they, they said, well, let's just go to a couple more houses. They went to one more house, and somebody was there, had been wanting to know about the Lord, had been wanting to know about the Bible. They couldn't understand what that was. Now, imagine God using you in that way. You get excited about it. You get upset. So nobody's answering the door. Nobody's doing anything. And they could, get, they could just get caught up in that and say, it's not working, and go home and give up. <coughs> Psalm 106, uh, verses 32 and 33, tells us what happened to Moses. He got angry. Verse 32 says, they angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. Because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. And he never got to go to the promised land. You want to see Israelite? You want to see a big picture of them? And uh, coming, coming out of Egypt, read Psalm 106. And it'll tell you all about what they did. So not only do you miss out on the victory, what God may have set up for you. And I'll tell you at the end here what he was setting up, but you miss out on the bigger picture. That rock and the the water that came out of it, it had a special purpose in God's plan. And I think it's okay to preach it. Sometimes you, you see a type in the Bible and you might be pushing the envelope on it. You might be seeing too much. But when the Bible talks about that and points back to it as a type, then it's safe to use. And it's safe to see. To me, in the Old Testament, and I've shared this with y'all, but in the Old Testament, when you look back through the Old Testament and you see those types, to me, that adds a third dimension to the Bible. It adds a spiritual dimension to the Bible. Not that you make everything types and pictures for everything and, oh, this means this. And they call it allegorizing, where, well, the tree means this and this means this and that. But when the Bible says it so, you can be safe to look back and say, look what God was doing through Moses. And uh, first we look at the water in John chapter 4. In, verse, in, in John chapter 4, Jesus was talking to the, the woman at the well. And uh, he, he said, whoever drinks of this well, they'll thirst again. Well, whosoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again, but out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And he was pointing at the well. He said, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And then it goes on with the story. But Jesus was talking about the Spirit. In uh, John chapter 7, Turn a couple pages over to John chapter 7, 
verse 37, it says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, for you Bible scholars, you know that when you read the book of John, you can see a lot of spiritual pictures in there because John had a spiritual insight as he looked back. In verse 38, he, Jesus talking, and he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So when Jesus, we see from the New Testament, when Jesus talked about the water and he talked about a river flowing out of you, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. It was a, it was a type of the Holy Spirit. Look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I, it's like I said, these types will add a third dimension to your Bible reading. If all you see is stories and all you see is Ten Commandments and all you see is uh, just these things happened or Sunday school lessons. But when you begin to look at how God paints a picture, how he it's like a woven tapestry. You know what a tapestry is, right? It's, it's woven together and they'll put threads in there and there'll be different colors. And when they're done, it starts to form a picture. But if you were to look at each thread individually, you wouldn't know what it is. It's like a puzzle piece. You, you look at the individual puzzles, and there's a picture, and it kind of looks like something, but you're not sure what it is, and it just fits together. And that's what God did all throughout the Old Testament as he pointed to Christ. All of these pictures point to Jesus Christ. When you see Abraham going up onto the Mount, Mount Moriah with his son, Isaac, to sacrifice him because God told him to, you see a picture of God offering his only begotten son, sacrificing his only begotten son. When you see uh, Moses delivering his people out of Egypt, you can kind of see a type of Moses as a type of Christ delivering the people out of bondage. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you... I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now he's pointing back to Exodus. When they came, when they came through the Red Sea, he's painting a picture with that. He's painting a spiritual picture. And he's looking at it spiritually and how they all passed under the cloud. There was a cloud by day to guide them. There was a fire by night. And Paul says, I would not have you ignorant that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Remember the manna that came down from heaven? And, you know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We're going to talk about that next week in Sunday school if you'd like to join us about types of the word of God, what the Bible says, what, what the Bible compares the word of God to. And he says, uh, verse number four, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So when you look back and you see God telling Moses to draw the water out of the rock, and some, I guess somebody would argue about this, but this is what I see Paul pointing back to when he's put the whole context in them in the wilderness. 
And he says, and they all drank of that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So let's look at that picture again that was being painted. Because the first time, Moses was told to what? He was told to, to strike the rock. We see that Jesus, he was, he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was beaten, and he was hung on the cross. And the, the spirit flowed out of him. Or, well, the, the water ran out of him, right? The water and the blood. But then we see, in the second case, God told Moses, he said, I want you to speak to the rock. And when you get saved, all you, it, it's speaking to God. There's no more sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and I've, I've been thinking on a series in Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter, we're not going to go there because I'd get carried away. But over in Hebrews chapter 9, it talks about the tabernacle, and it gives you even more types there. And I'm just saying, if you would like to see the Bible come alive, look, just look a little bit into those types. I'd warn you not to get carried away, you know, and see types and everything. So there was times I could go there and I could see, oh, well, well, Rahab hid the, hid the men under the flax. The flax is red. The red is the blood of Christ. And they're hidden under Christ. Well, it's good preaching, but you got to be careful. You get carried away and your, your doctrine can't come from there. But you can kind of look at it and say, well, see how God works. And when you can see how God works in the Old Testament and in his word, you can see how God works in your life. I bet if you look back at different things, you'll see that God was weaving a tapestry with your life all along that led you to certain spots. But when Moses got mad, when Moses got excited, he struck the rock twice. He yelled at them. He was mad at the Israelites. They provoked him, and he let them get to him. He struck the rock twice, and he broke the picture that God was painting. And, you know, we wouldn't know that God was painting a picture. God hadn't said, Moses, you didn't glorify me. You're not going to get to go to the promised land. And it makes us stop and look back and say, why, Lord, why did you do that? So God was using Moses and the Israelites to paint a picture of the salvation that he would provide through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock that was struck. He was beaten and died on the cross once and for all sin. And the Holy Ghost was given to his church. And the Holy Spirit is that living water. Moses had been through this trial before and thought he knew the answer. And instead of being humble, he took the reins and let his anger get the best of him. And in the process, missed God entirely. Bible says, Ephesians 4, 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. God doesn't always meet our needs in exactly the same way. He wants our obedience above all. But when we lose our humility and our humbleness, we leave God's will. I thought, it's about, I thought in the Old Testament for some pictures of getting excited, but, you know, I found more where they didn't get excited. I think of Gideon, who had prayed to God over and over. He didn't get carried away, but he said, Lord, I just want to be sure it's your will. I thought of David as he stood before Goliath. He didn't, he didn't get excited. He stood there before Goliath. He didn't, he didn't get scared. He didn't get worried. He 
trusted in God. And these pictures of victory, and these stories of victory, when we look back, we see there was a calm faith in God. We see them acting out, but we see their faith in God and trusting him. And that's kind of what it comes down to, doesn't it? When we get upset at the circumstances going on, we've kind of backed away from our trust in God. We're not trusting him. We're trying to figure everything out for ourselves. So I kind of wanted to share that with you because I always miss my grandpa. And I think about what he said. The main thing is not to get excited. But I can tell you there's one thing to get excited about, and that's salvation in Jesus Christ. That's trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Has there ever been a time when you've placed your trust in him? If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? If you can't answer that question, and there's a lot of people that can't. They say, well, I hope so. Well, why do you hope so? Well, I hope that my good outweighs my bad. I hope that God will accept me. And God made a way for you to be accepted. He put a lot of effort. Well, I don't know how much effort he put. But he sent his son to die on the cross for your sin so that you could have a way. You don't have to rely on your works. None of us can rely on our works. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. If any of us went to heaven on our own, we wouldn't be allowed in. We'd never see the gates they talk about. We would never, we would never even see heaven. We would be straight into hell. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth for 33 and a half years. And when he died on the cross, his blood was shed for our sins. The Bible says that, that sin that we're guilty of, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And it's a sad thought because a lot of people stop right there. The rest of that verse over in Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. John 3.16 says, so For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the reason Jesus came. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you go a couple verses down in verse 3.18, says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. You don't have the wages of sin to pay. Jesus already paid it. But it says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the only begotten Son of God. So let me ask you today, if you were to die today, where would you go? Would you go to heaven?